It's not like an Irish summer's day now, let's be honest about it. Huh? Alex, I'm blaming you. It was fine when you were in Spain. It's only since you came back. The weather changed when you came back. Okay. Huh? Okay. The grass needed to drop around. Did everyone get one? Are we done? They all got some. Just all get a magazine. We give them out free and we charge a fiver to get out the door. That's a good deal, isn't it? Okay. So I want to talk... Um, I do always laugh. I get the weirdest times I get. I have a plan sometimes about what we're going to do in church. And then God just interrupts that plan. And last week I was having an MRI when he interrupted the plan. And this week I was actually on a job. I was working in Kerry on Thursday. And I had a plan for what we were doing this week and the next few weeks. And then when I was in Kerry, it kind of like changed my mind. And I can't tell you, like I know it sounds schizophrenic when I say God talks to me and I hear God talking to me. Um, but the reality of it is he does. He talks to every one of us. And I was always fascinated that even when, after I kind of got to know God and realized he was real and started interacting with him, that I still had difficulty believing that God could, not that he would, but that he could talk to me. And then something in my brain kind of went, how stupid is that, Brian? If he really made the universe, do you think he's not capable of talking to you? But the reality of it is he does, and he does that all the time. I don't always listen. Now, Anne will tell you she has the same problem with me all the time. <laughs> I've been for hearing tests at this stage. I probably need to get hearing aids. I don't know if they'll help with God, but they'll definitely help with Anne to stop me getting into trouble there. But when I was, I was, I was at this piece of work, and, and, um, and there was a story we used in the work, and it struck me for some reason, or the God really struck me, and he brought me back to something I had heard many years ago in church, many, many years ago, um, about eagles and about how eagles raise their young and about how eagles live and about how their identity is formed. And, and I really felt God wanted to talk about that here today. Um, and I, I just want to say, I don't want to just say I felt it. I really believe, I know it, that there's someone in this room today that God wants you to know some stuff about life. And that this stuff, while while it might come from a book that's thousands of years old, is still relevant to what's happening in our lives today. So there's a scripture that's used, um, and this preaching, you could Google this preaching, and it's it's, uh, it's about, must be 30 or 40 of them on the internet you could look up if you wanted to. All kinds of nice black, white, and all kinds of colors of people who've done it over the years. But it's taken from a scripture in Deuteronomy. In chapter 32 and verses 10 to 11. And it says this, in a des- in a, Like an eagle that stores up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions, the Lord alone led him, and no foreign God was with him. And the bit I want to um, take a part out of that is this piece about what an eagle does with their young and how that relates to us as people living now. And the story goes that as an eagle builds its nest, they generally build them either on the top of a very tall tree or on the side of a cliff. And they could build them five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand feet up in the sky. On the side of a cliff, an eagle will build a nest. 
And the nests are fairly big. Eagles are big things. And they started with branches, and they started with this and that and the other. And eventually, before they have their eggs, they finally cover it with a nice, soft, either rabbit's fur or feathers or something. So they make a nice place for the babies to come into. And the baby eagles hatch. And then as the eagle gets bigger, the story goes that as they're ready and the baby eagle is getting big enough to fly, he's not going to jump out 8,000 feet. So the mammy eagle starts pulling all the bits out of the nest, pulls out the down, pulls out the nice fluffy stuff, a nice comfortable little bed for the baby eagle to be walking around on. And there's only kind of branches left, and some of them branches might even have thorns. And what's happening is the baby eagle starts to learn how to stand on branches, and it starts to learn how to use its claws for holding on tight. And that's going to help it when it learns how to hunt, because it has to be able to catch things. It has to be able to land on a tree at speed and hold on and stop itself. It needs to build strength up into its claws. But you know what? That's a really uncomfortable place for a baby eagle. It's gone from being in the duvet with a nice memory foam mattress to sitting on splinters. It's not comfortable. Okay? What's that got to do with me? Sometimes God takes the duvet away. And he takes the memory foam mattress away and he leaves me sitting on the splinters. And it's not because he's cruel, and it's not because he just doesn't want me to be comfortable. It's because he wants me to grow into the next place. He wants me to be able to do what I need to be able to do the next piece of my life, the next season, whatever that might be. And he does the same for each and every one of us if we're following him. So sometimes you get this message, oh, look, I just give your life to Jesus and everything will be grand. Rubbish. Sometimes you give your life to Jesus and everything goes pear-shaped. It gets worse. I swear to God, I mean, we had more problems after we became Christians than we ever had before we became Christians. Well, it felt like that way anyway. But I think it felt like that way because I went into it thinking, oh, should I have Jesus now? Everything's going to be grand. I still had to work. I still had to, to figure things out. I still had to process things. Actually, I probably had to process more because I couldn't run away the way I used to run away. I used to bury my head in the sand and pretend there was nothing wrong. But I couldn't do that anymore because God wouldn't let me. Because I had that thing of God talking to me going on and saying, there's a better way, Brian. You don't have to stay that way. And this whole thing about the, the eagle, the baby eagle, learning how to use his claws on the branches in the nest. Here's the funny thing about that. It might be uncomfortable, but it's safe. He's still in the nest. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's still in the nest. The mammy's still knocking around, still giving him a bit of grub. He's still in the nest. But he's learning to stand on his own two feet. And you know, when we give our hearts to Jesus and we start walking with him, we get fed by other people, we get minded by other people, we get watched over, they spoon feed us stuff about God. But somewhere in there, we have to learn to stand on our own two feet. We have to learn how to feed ourselves. We have to learn how to have a relationship with God that's not dependent on someone else, but that's a direct relationship with God that's alive, that's healthy, that's got fire in its bones, that's going to help us to be energized, to be excited, to see what God's doing in my life and what he can possibly do in other people's lives. But that takes us getting out of the memory foam mattress and standing on the branches. There's a process in it. And then what happens, the story goes, 
that the mammy eagle gets to the place where the baby's ready to fly. He's got comfortable handing onto the branches now. And she's kind of going, right, Johnny, jump. And he's going, no chance. And she's, come on, you'll be grand, jump. Do you ever have someone tell you you'll be grand, jump? And you're standing there going, I'm not moving. Actually, me and um, we were only talking about this yesterday. We met my daughter Emma yesterday, and uh, we were talking about two years ago when we had the Belarus kids in. We went up to this place in the mountains called Zippe. Sergey was there. And Zippe has um, all these walkways and zip lines in trees that are like 50, 60, 80 feet high up in the air. And these cables going across. I don't like heights. So I'm up on this yoke with Emma, and there's all these like cross things with ropes. Anyway, it's hard to describe, except for everything moves, nothing was solid. And Emma was standing on one, I was behind her, and she had to go on to the next one. And I was saying, go on. And she was going, no. And I was saying, go on. And she's going, no. And I said, why? And she said, because my legs won't move. And I go, don't be stupid, just go on. So anyway, eventually, she got out onto the next piece. And then it was my turn. And I'm standing there, and I swear to God, I was saying, right, let's go. And my legs were going, get lost. <laughs> they weren't moving. It was like they were a separate part of me. They just were not moving. It was weird. I've never experienced it before. So anyway, halfway through that ride, we, we took a shortcut and got off and left it. It was getting too, it was getting too ropey for me. The boys were up in like 500 feet high trees at that stage doing crazy stuff. But um, great afternoon's entertainment. If you've, if you've got a head for heights, go for it. But here's the thing. This is the baby eagle up in that tree going, I'm not getting out. And the mammy eagle going, no, you can't learn to fly if you stay here. And here's the thing that happens to us. God wants us to fly, and we're going, no, I'm okay here. I'm, I'm, I'm okay here. That looks like 8,000 feet of a drop. I'm okay here. It's fine. It's quite okay. I'd stay here. And God's going, no, step out. Peter, step out of the boat. I'm here. The rest of them are all sitting there going, that's fairly wet looking water. I don't know if I'd step out into that. So the baby eagle is sitting there, and the mammy gets it and goes, okay, well, if you won't get out, I'll kick you out. So she throws him out. And he falls, screaming. I'm fairly sure he's screaming anyway. I don't know in eagle language what he's calling his mother, but anyway, it's probably not very nice. And as he falls and falls and falls, the story goes that the mammy comes down in her big, huge wings. And in fairness, eagles are magnificent-looking things, and they're huge. And she swoops down, and she catches him on her back and brings him back up and puts him in the nest. And he goes, ah, good joke, Matt. That was a good one. Yeah, you have me there. You have me there. And she says, yeah, no, you're going again. And horses him out again. And continues the process until he flies. Sometimes God throws us out of the nest. Sometimes God wants us to get out of the nest. And if we jump, that's great. But if we don't jump, don't think he won't kick you. Because here's the bit about it. He knows you exactly as you are, but he also knows what's in you and what you can become. And because he knows what you can become, he doesn't want to leave you where you are. And the trouble with moving to where we can become is it's comfortable where we are. Even if that includes pain sometimes, it's comfortable. Because this is stuff I know. I'm used to this. I'm used to being in a family that are nuts. And I'm used to drama. And I'm used to being broke. And I'm used to this. And I'm used to that. And I'm used to the other. And God is going, but you don't have to live that way for the rest of your life. You don't have to live in the drama. You don't have to live broke. You don't have to live with the lies, with the deceit, with the playing one part off another part, being caught in the middle of the war. You don't have to. 
You can choose to, but you don't have to. So jump, because I'm going to catch it. I'm not going to let you go splat on the ground. I'm not going to call you into something. God will never call you into something that his grace won't carry you through. No matter how hard it is, I promise you. There's people in this room who have gone through horrendous stuff over the last 10 years. And God's grace has carried them every ounce of the way. Going into it, none of us thought we could survive it. In all honesty, most of us never thought we could survive it. But we can stand on the other side of having jumped or being pushed out of the nest and go, you know what? We survived. We didn't only survive, we thrived. We grew as people. We changed as people. We became more of who we were supposed to be, of who we were destined to be. There's a story um, Anthony DeMello tells of a chicken, of an eagle's egg that fell. And it fell into a farmer's meadow and the farmer picked it up and he brought it home and he stuck it under a chicken. And God loved the chicken. If you see the size of a chicken egg, an eagle egg, the chicken must have thought he was having a heart attack. But anyway, he's sitting on top. He's sitting on top of an eagle's egg and the eagle, the baby eagle, comes out. And this eagle is looking at all the chickens around them. So he starts picking the grounds. He starts eating the scraps off the ground. He starts walking around like a chicken, saying cluck, cluck, or whatever it is a chicken says. And he's growing up with the chickens. And it gets to the stage one day when he's out on the farm and he's talking to Daisy the cow. You need an imagination. He's talking to Daisy the cow. Take a Charlotte's web, okay? And they see an eagle in the sky. And he says to Daisy, what is that? Because it's swooping around, soaring around in the air currents. And Daisy says, that's an eagle. King of the sky. Like the lion is the king of the jungle, he's the king of the sky. Goes wherever he wants to, soars above the clouds, does whatever he wants, comes down, swoops down, takes a rabbit, goes home, does whatever he wants. He is the king. But don't be worrying about that. You're a chicken. Go back in there in the coop with the rest of them. And the baby eagle goes back into the chicken coop and lives and dies as a chicken. Because his identity was taken from what was around him and not with what was in him. And here's so many of us who are living our lives out as chickens instead of as eagles. Because what's inside of us is so much more than what's around us. This world will tell you all kinds of things. This world will tell you you're a mistake. I was told that for years. I was the last of eight kids. I was a shock and a surprise, I'm sure. They probably had a head attack when they found out they were pregnant again. But I was not a mistake. But I was told I was a mistake. Do you know the worst part of being told you're a mistake when you're that age? You begin to tell yourself you're a mistake. You believe it. I believed it for years. I lived as a mistake. I lived always wait, thinking that I'm taking up space on this planet that I shouldn't be taking up. I got married thinking I'm a mistake. I had our first child thinking, I said two kids, thinking I was a mistake. For years waiting on Anne to wake up one day and go, I married a mistake, I need to get out of here. You go to school in an area like this, they tell you you're stupid and you're never going to amount to anything. And you're never going to do any good. Because you're from Crumlin. You're useless. Because I'm from Crumlin. And you live. I lived with that. Believe in it. Because you're told by people in authority. You're told you're an eagle or a chicken long enough you believe to believe you're a chicken. By all the people who are bigger and who are in authority. 
And then as you get bigger, you begin to tell yourself you're a chicken. You begin to tell yourself you're useless. You begin to tell yourself that you're no good. You're not worth any more. We watched a, a film last night. Um, I can't think of the name right now. An Unfinished Life with Jennifer Lopez and Robert Redford. And she's in this relationship with a guy and he's baiting the living daylight over. And later, this other guy, and she's talking to him, she says, you know what, you stay in a relationship like that because you think you're not worth any more. Those are lies from the pit of hell. You're worth the blood of Jesus Christ. If God would come down here in the person of his son and go to a cross for to save you and save me, then we are worth a lot more than this world is telling us we're worth. We were born to be eagles. We were born to soar. We weren't born to cluck around eating up scraps off the ground. Whatever you're facing right now, you know the tour thing an eagle does when it's in a storm? Let me read the scripture from Isaiah for you. It's from Isaiah 40. It says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. Are you weary today? He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Are you weak? He'll increase your power. Even the youths grow tired and weary. I have to say, I think the youths are growing tired and weary quicker than they used to. Yeah, they don't seem to have a lot of stamina nowadays. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But listen to this. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Do you know what an eagle does when a storm comes? It flies over it. It flies through the storm and goes over it. And it hovers and it glides on the air currents. It doesn't flap. It doesn't use energy. It just floats on the air currents until the storm passes by. And then it comes back down. Do you know what we can do as people and as children of God? We can go above the storm. Because our God is above the storm. I can stay in the storm and just look at the storm all around me and think, I'm screwed. I'm in this and I have no hope. If most planes get caught in a thunderstorm, they will try and climb above it. Our natural inclination is to try and go down. It's something in us that pushes us to go down because we think that's going to be safer. But the safest place is to go above it. Do you know when we end up in a storm, our natural inclination is to go back to what we know. Go down to ground zero. Go back to whatever it was that kept me safe before. If you grew up in an abusive home, you will have ways of shutting your heart and your head down so that you're safe. And you needed that when you were in that place because it kept you safe. But God is saying, you don't need that now. You can soar above that storm and you can go up and you can go into the blue sky, way above it. You can soar in the presence of God or you can come back down on the grounds and use all that old stuff that you had and all that old stuff that's comfortable and you can live your life out as a chicken. Or you can soar in the sky with God. And that's all very kind of fancy-wancy and 
kind of loose stuff and very airy-fairy, I know. But let me just bring this to a close with two or three quick points. One, the story of the mammy eagle throwing the baby eagle out of the, out of the nest, from the best that I can research, is fallacy. It doesn't happen. Baby eagles learn how to fly, but it's a great story for an illustration. Okay? Because in essence, that is what God does for us. If you've raised kids, you know at some stage you need to keep them out of the nest. They need to stand on their own two feet. We need to learn to stand on our own two feet as people of God. We need to learn how to feed from God ourselves. If all you're getting of God is coming here on a Sunday for a half an hour, you're not even living on a Happy Meal, never mind a Big Mac. You're not. You need a dinner every day. If you spread yourself physically the way you may be seeing yourself spiritually, you'll starve. And I don't say that in any way to try and put guilt on you or condemnation or anything else. All I'm saying is, man, why starve yourself when there's a banquet waiting on you? The presence of God is available every single day of the week for every one of us all the time. The scriptures are available every single day. There has never been an easier time to be taught how to live for God than there is now. When we gave our hearts to Jesus 30 years ago, there was no internet. There was no TV. If you got a book, if someone had a tape of someone preaching in a church, it went around about 300 people. By the time you got it, the thing could hardly play. And then you'd listen to it 100 times because you hadn't got any other tapes. Now I can go onto the internet. I can get it from anywhere in the world. And really good stuff, crazy stuff too. I mean, there's nuts of stuff. But there's good stuff too. But it's there. So I can go every single day. I have this. I have about 20 versions of it and I have it on my phone. I can be fed every single day or I can settle for a happy meal every Sunday. Here's the difference. You'll either end up... I'll put this. People who live on happy meals don't last. I'm going to be honest with you. It won't last because it's not real. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to be... If, if me and Anne, we're married 37 years, if we, all we had was that half an hour connection every week as a relationship, who knows our marriage wouldn't be here now? Is that fair enough to say? Anne knows. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Two people know. Okay. I can't have a relationship someone of all I've got as a half an hour every week. I can have a religion that way. But can I have a relationship? Relationship is every day. It's having a conversation. It's talking, but expecting to hear them talk back to you. Have a way of feather girls and you're talking to them and he's sitting there going, you want to slap him, don't you? Because he's not saying anything. Right? God will talk back. Most fellas are quite happy if you don't say anything. Can I just say it? I'm just saying that from a fellas point of view. We're okay with silence. We don't have a problem with that normally. Um, so here's the bit. Sorry, I got wandered there. God wants us to step out, to expand what we see as the possibilities in our world. Don't be caught with what your past says you are. Don't be caught with what your family maybe said you were, your neighborhood said you were, your history says you are. If you're a child of God, the opportunities, the possibilities are limitless, absolutely limitless. Age doesn't even stop us. 
Moses was 80 when he went back to lead the, the Israelites out. 80. He only started at 80. I'm hoping I'm well retired at 80. But he only started at 80. I know when we started hope, I thought I had missed my chance. I was 51, 52. I thought, it's too late now. But God doesn't disqualify us because we're a certain age. The only thing that disqualifies us from being in a deeper relationship with God and being used by God is us because we won't step into it. That's the only thing that stops us. So the question for you today as we live is do you want to step in further? Do you want to go deeper? Because I believe with everything inside of me that God is saying, come. Because I have more. I have more for you. I have more in your marriage. I have more in your non-marriage. I have more in your, in your heart. I have more peace for you. I have more strength for you. I have more adventure for you. I'll tell you one thing I have never been since I became a Christian was bored. I have been terrified. I have been excited. I've been all kinds of things. But I have never been bored. God wants us to live an adventure. He wants us to have the crack. He knows it'll be hard times, but he wants us to have the crack. He wants it to be an adventure. Someone tells me they're bored with God. I'm going, you don't know God. You don't know God. You can't be bored with God if you really know him. You can be bored with religion. Absolutely. Bore you to tears. But you cannot be bored with God. So this week, I'm going to ask you to think about having a dinner every day. Not just a physical dinner, but have a spiritual dinner every day. If you can't cope with a dinner, have a happy meal every day. Take a few minutes each day and just try somewhere in it to connect with God. But don't connect with him as a chicken. Connect with him as an eagle. Because you are his child and he loves you. And even if you don't like him, he still loves you. And he wants the best for you. And knows I'm finished, so she's leaving now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for the breath in my lungs that Cathy said earlier on. Isn't that amazing? We're alive. It's a miracle we're alive. How many people are in hospitals or whatever right now, Lord, who'd love to even be in a place like this? But Lord, here we are. These are your children. These are your people. You made them. You know everything about them. You know all their insides, their outsides. You know the hairs on their head or the lack of hair on their head. You know what's going on in their heads and you know what's going on in their hearts. And sometimes in spite of all that, God, you love them with an everlasting, undying, passionate love. So right now, Lord, I ask that you light a fire deep down inside of ourselves. You light a fire, God, that we just can't contain that just overflows out of us with an excitement for what you could do and can do and will do in each and every one of our lives. If there's people in this room, Lord, who, don't, who aren't even sure about you, I pray that you clarify that for them. I pray that somehow or other you prove to them that you're so real and that you know them and you love them. <coughs> Lord, if there's people in the room who are in that place where they say, yeah, I know you, I believe in you and all that kind of stuff, but I'm kind of bored with all of this stuff, I pray you like that for I pray you set them free into that place where you created them to go to. I pray that they get a chance 
to live the destiny that you have created them for. There is a scripture in Ephesians 2.10 that says we were created to do good works that God planned in advance for us to do before one of our days came to be. It was a scripture that set me free from belief that I was a mistake on this planet. God had a plan for me before I was even born. He has the same plan for you. It's a plan of excitement. It's a plan of adventure. It's a plan of life. Real life. Sometimes it's living on the edge. Sometimes it's terrifying, but it's living. It's not existing. It's not putting up with. It's not surviving. It's living. So, Father, today I pray that the Spirit of the living God would fill our hearts and fill our minds and fill our lives with life. May I say you will bless your people, make your face to shine on them. May the fellowship of your Holy Spirit with us each and every day this week as we go forward from this place. May I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, guys.